0: I'm Jesse Thorne. It's Bullseye. Normally, when you tune into Bullseye, you hear interviews with pop culture creators like David Letterman or Weird Al or Sudan Archives. This week, we're not interviewing any of those people. In fact, we are not interviewing anyone. We are playing you excerpts from the best stand-up comedy albums of 2022. It is a proud tradition here at Bullseye And frankly, the less time I spend telling you about it, the more stand-up comedy we can pack into the next hour. So let's kick things off with Luba Magnus. Luba is a stand-up living in Toronto, but her day job is in animation. Her works appeared on Sesame Street, among other places. Her stand-up is enthusiastic and warm and weird, and it is also (laughs) one of the rare stand-up comedy acts that features botany heavily. Luba has been nominated for Breakout Comic of the Year at Toronto's iHeart Jokes Awards, among other honors. Let's kick things off with a bit from Luba Magnus's album, Baba Luba.
1: Wow, <laughs> thank you, thank you for being here. Welcome to my brain! This is We're deep in it. This is it. <laughs> Oh, we're going to have fun. Friends of old, friends of new, hello. I should introduce myself properly. So my name is Luba, and I know what you're thinking. That sounds wet. <laughs> but Luba, if you must know, is a Ukrainian name, a very beautiful Ukrainian name. It means love. And I don't speak Ukrainian, but what I do know is that in Ukrainian, we call our grandmas babas. So when I'm a grandma, I get to be called Baba Luba. No. <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty great. You know, Baba Luba. Blah, 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 blah. You did it. <laughs> you did it together. Now get out of here. You did a good job. Also, this is my haircut. <laughs> I walked right into the hairdresser, and I said, give me the Conan O'Brien. <laughs> And also a haircut. I love how this is an audio recording so that people can't see my haircut. I could have said anything. I could have said something much more flattering like, young Conan O'Brien. the thing is, my hair used to be a lot longer, so when I got it cut short, I got, like, a lot of nice compliments, but also a lot of compliments that I'm not sure if they're compliments. Like, a lot of compliments on my bone structure. I did not know that we were so into skulls. I did not know that. It's like, people are saying, you know, you're really going to be turning heads when you're in a museum. Like... Is that, is that a nice thing? I don't know. Or, like, what are you doing spending all this money on acting lessons when you already know that you're going to co star in Hamlet? <laughs> like a cute little puppet, like, to me or not to be. Is, is that how it goes? I don't read. Okay. Um, I have a job. I'm an animator. First of all, I like creative, creating something. That, okay, here we go. There's the stutters. First of all, let's just go. <laughs> I love how Allison is like oh if she stutters she'll like start it over I went to comedy bar a couple days ago and someone said oh I do an impression of you I was like let's hear it and she was just going "Uh, uh, uh." (laughs) there weren't even words it was just (laughs) stuttering so like yeah we might have to do a few takes Uh." okay (laughs) Okay, we'll start the job one over. I can do that one better. Okay, Uh, so I have a job, very exciting. I'm an animator, very exciting. Uh, Yeah, I I make cartoons, that's how I get paid. And it makes sense because growing up, when everyone else was playing house or playing dress up, I played God. (laughs) so that adds up. But uh, a lot of comedians, their side gig is acting. I've never really gotten that much into acting. My claim to fame is as a blurry but still unfortunately recognizable extra in a commercial for (laughs) (laughs) 7-Eleven. I didn't get one slurpee out of it.
2: Uh,
1: (laughs) But uh, it was weird because people could still recognize me, so I would hear from friends that I hadn't seen or heard of in forever, and they were like, I saw you. I'm like, I wish you didn't. (laughs) Then I realized, I was really embarrassed about it, but then I realized that this commercial only played on Sports Network TSN. So it was actually like I was living my dream of haunting all my exes. <laughs> yep, Monday Night Football hits a bit different when it's sponsored by a woman scorn.
2: <laughs> Been getting really
1: into mushrooms. Not the drug. (laughs) Just looking at the ones that pop out of the ground. (laughs) Mycology, the study of mushrooms. I think it's super fun and they're super cute. They're like the cutest reminder that death surrounds us. (laughs) So eat up, you know? (laughs) But I was really getting into studying about mushrooms and then I went home one day and a couple mushrooms popped up in one of my houseplants and I... Hated that. (laughs) Hated that. I live in a small Toronto one-bedroom. There's not enough room for me and some fungi. (laughs) If you heard the thumping at home, that was me hitting my head with the microphone, okay? (laughs) But um, even worse, these mushrooms that popped up in my houseplant glow in the dark. There are bioluminescent mushrooms in my houseplant. plant. And I am too old for that. (laughs) I am too old to have anything glow in the dark in my bedroom. (laughs) I haven't had anything glow in the dark in my bedroom since I had those, like, Starry Night stickers on my ceiling. You know, we know those. Last year. I'm too old for it.
0: Luba Magnus. Her debut album is called Baba Luba. It's available now from Howl and Roar Records. I'm Jesse Thorne. It's the Bullseye end of year stand up spectacular. Next up, The Man, Roy Wood Jr. You probably know Roy as one of the correspondents on The Daily Show, where he has worked since 2015. He also currently hosts two Comedy Central podcasts. On Roy's Job Fair, he talks with regular people about their jobs. That means museum curators, postal workers, teachers, and also comedians who talk about their jobs before they got into comedy. And then there is the podcast Beyond the Scenes, which takes a deeper look at topics covered on The Daily Show. Roy is also a prolific touring stand-up who never stops writing jokes. They're all great. He's absolutely one of the best there is. His latest album is called Imperfect Messenger. Here's a bit from it
3: you got to watch out for these folks (laughs) recognize the signs and the people that you care about check on them because there's some people out there the only way they know how to feel good is to make themselves feel bad happiness is such a foreign concept to them that the moment that happiness even remotely presents itself they'll self-sabotage it we all been there you got to recognize these people who make themselves feel bad. You know who they are in your circles. It's the people in your, in your, in your phone that don't do nothing but watch documentaries. <laughs> you you, you got to check on these people. Them documentary people, there's something wrong with them. And I'm not attacking you. If that's your crab leg, hey, enjoy your crab leg. But here's the thing. Here's the thing with them documentaries. The problem with you documentary people is that y'all watch like eight, nine of them in a row and then keep recommending them to us and recommending and recommending and re- Have you seen the documentary about the... No! I ain't watched the last five you told me to watch. I know the world is up. I don't need to hear narration over a documentary every time. And I'm not saying don't watch documentaries. I love a good documentary, but after two documentaries, I'd watch me the Paw Patrol movie to balance you need leverage you be watching all them documentaries in a row you know them documentary people they, ne- they never in a good mood you know the problem with them, with you documentary people is that y'all don't like you gotta be more excited when you pitching it y'all never you, you're never upbeat you know I would, I would watch a documentary if you came to hey man I saw a great documentary about the end of the world it's a good documentary But that's not how y'all come to us. Y'all come to us all cryptic. I just saw a documentary about the thing. And they found two fingers inside the tire of the car. And they traced the fingers back to a Whopper. Mm -hmm. All I'm saying, if you want to watch a couple documentaries, man, you got to break it up, watch Fresh Prince rerun, do something else. Respectfully. I don't know you, but Respectfully. (laughs) it's the same thing with civil rights movies same thing same thing with civil rights movies i watch them i watch a civil rights movie but you can't watch too many civil rights movies it'll alter you no matter of fact matter of fact i think all these streaming like all these streaming services they should black people shouldn't be allowed to watch more than two a year just to help keep us calm, for our own mental health. You should not be like, because cause you know what they do, like you watch one slavery, and then the algorithm show you 12 more slaveries to choose from. You cannot watch 12 slaveries in a week and be normal. You be walking around work, mad. you Two slavery max, like that's, like after you watch a second slavery, like a prompt should just come up on the screen. Hey dog, that's enough. You good, bro, you, you, you caught up. Just watch your two slaveries and keep it moving, man. Did you know there's a Paw Patrol movie? Let me give you the Paw Patrol movie (laughs) real quick,
0: Roy Wood Jr. His stand-up album Imperfect Messenger is out now. Here's some trivia. Before The Daily Show, Roy was a big radio DJ in Florida and Alabama. We talked about that during his Bullseye interview a few years back, which was a, a real favorite of mine. Find it on the Bullseye page at MaximumFun.org. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Next up, Jen Kirkman. Jen is a veteran stand-up comic, a great stand-up comic. She was also a contributor to this show many years ago. She used to write essays about her life in Los Angeles when this show was called The Sound of Young America. On Chelsea Lately, she was a regular panelist. She was also a regular on At Midnight and Drunk History. In 2022, she released her fifth stand-up record called Okay, Gen X. Here's a bit from it.
4: So guys, I want to help you out. You ever have a woman friend tell you something that happened that she says is sexist and deep down you're like, I
0: don't see how it was.
4: (laughs) I'm going to give you a tool and this is going to actually be fun. It's a game you can play silently in your head coming to weeknights at 7 p.m. It's called, Would a Cis Het Man Say This to Another Cis Het Man? And it's a great game show. And it's weird because the answer is always no. Um, but, so I'll give you an example. So this is a real-life story. I'm in an elevator on the road. I'm, I have a gig, and I have a suitcase, and it's filled with books because I was going to sell copies of my book after the show. And I don't know if women relate to this, but when you're getting in an elevator... You don't want to get in with a guy you don't know. And you don't want to get in with a group of guys that know each other. Both very scary. But I will get on an elevator with a guy and another guy who don't know each other. <laughs> because they are never going to act creepy to a woman in front of each other, if that makes sense, because they don't know if the other guy is going to back him up or not. So they're going to act normal, and I'm like, I feel safe. Now, this is the game I have to play at every elevator stand, and so when I check in at 3 p.m., I go to the little elevator zone, and by 2 a.m. I get to my room after I let, you know, all the guys pass through. And so I get on the elevator with these two gentlemen. We're all strangers, and we're all looking at our phones and not speaking like normal people in society should. Now, one of the guys gets off the elevator, and I'm like, I've got to ride up alone with this other guy, five more stops. I'm like, how bad could it be? I forgot sexism only takes a second. And so uh, the door is shut, and this guy looks at me, he goes, pretty big suitcase you got there. And I'm just like, oh God, I don't want to talk, you know? As women, we're trained to just automatically be like, "Eh," you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's (laughs) being, but sometimes you don't want to talk to someone man, woman, dog, cat. talk So I'm not gonna. And he goes, "You must be an overpacker." And I'm like, I And I want to be like it's filled with books I wrote. <laughs> he goes, "You must be an overpacker." And then he goes, "But seriously, how long are you really staying? Are you really going to wear all those outfits in there?" And the door's open and I don't say anything. I was so proud of myself. And I get off the elevator and he goes, "Get over yourself, honey." And the door's shut and I'm like, Aha. So I told a guy friend that story. He goes, that get over yourself, honey, was super sexist. He goes, but I don't think he was sexist up until then. I think he was just being nice, making conversation. And I'm like, okay, time for America's favorite game show. da, 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 da. What a straight guy say this to another straight guy in an elevator. The answer is always no. So now let's do-do-do-do-do-do. Play the game again. Three guys in an elevator. One guy with a big suitcase. One guy gets off the elevator. Elevator door's shut. One straight cis male says to the other straight cis male... Pretty big suitcase there. You know that's never going to happen. You must be an overpacker. All right, buddy, that's where that guy's getting punched. Because that... That is when the other guy gets afraid that there's some homosexuality going on. And he's homophobic, which is steeped in sexism, which is steeped in transphobia, which is steeped in homophobia. It's a big cycle. So no, that was gendered or sexist, the thing that happened in the elevator. But anyway, I give you permission, take that game, play it at home, play the home version, tweet me, tell me if you ever have to play it. It's my favorite thing. When guys tweet me and go, oh my God, I played the game in my head. You're so right. It's just like, it's a thrill. It's my gift to the world.
0: The great Jen Kirkman from her stand-up album. Okay. Gen X. We've got more of this year's end-of-year spectacular to come. Stay with us. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR.
5: I'm Jordan Cruciola, the host of Feeling Seen, where we talk about the movie characters that make us feel seen.
6: And I'm the show's producer, Marissa. Jordan, you've interviewed so many directors, actors, writers, film critics, and I like to play this little
7: game where I take a sip of coffee every time someone says... That's such a great question. That's such a fabulous question. Or they tell you how smart you are.
0: I think that you are rather brilliant.
7: And of course, the big one is when
0: when they they cry cry
7: unexpectedly. unexpectedly. Yes,
5: yes.
0: Jordan, I don't want to cry on your podcast.
5: I wasn't expecting to (laughs) cry. I mean, it makes me kind of want to cry. Ah. Feeling Seen comes out every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Listen already.
1: What are you waiting for? Jordan, that's such a great question. (laughs)
0: Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. If you're just joining us, we are replaying excerpts from some of the best stand-up comedy albums of the year. We listened to all of them. (laughs) I think we may have literally listened to every stand-up comedy album of the year. We are bringing you the best of the best. Next up, Stephen Michael Quezada. Along with doing stand-up, he's an actor. He's probably best known for playing DEA agent Stephen Gomez on Breaking Bad. That was Hank's partner. This year, Quezada released The New Mexican, his very own stand-up album. Here's a bit from the beginning.
8: What's up? Woo-hoo! Yeah, right on, right away. Hey, where are my Mexicans at? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Two of us. <laughs> That's it, right? And let me tell you something. The wall didn't chase us away. They at work.
2: <laughs>
8: oh. oh, now we can't work? You start, That guy sounded like, I was just in, in, in the South. I won't even tell you what state, right? This guy yells at me. He goes, that's right. And we're going to make you Mexicans build the wall. I go, right away, you're giving us jobs. <laughs> and complaining. <laughs> right? And that's why I said Mexicans steal jobs. Let me tell you, I grew up in the hood, bro. Never did I go to my cousin's house and say, hey, what's up, Chachi? He goes, hey, hey, come over here, bro. Hey, me and Chewie, we went out last night, bro, and, and we stole three jobs, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, really? You got three jobs? What'd you get, bro? Go, oh, well, well, uh, I got a, a farm worker. <laughs> we got a roofer and a concrete finisher. <laughs> I go, bro, you didn't steal those jobs, bro. They left those out for you to take. <laughs> I told him, call me when you get a good one, like a CEO. Or a manager, you know? He's like, oh, bro, you can't steal those jobs. They got alarms on those ones. (laughs) So, you know, all right, let's get this out of the way. I want to get this out of the way. Breaking Bad fans in the house? Nice. Good for you. (laughs) Suck for me, bro. I'm telling you, I'm from the hood, bro. I didn't know I was going to grow up and play a DEA agent on... I can't go to no more parties in the hood, bro. I show up to a party like, hey, hey, you can't come in here, bro. You're a DEA, bro. I'm like, no, dude, I'm not a DEA, man. I'm an actor. Nope. I seen you on TV. And I'm like, dad... It's Christmas and
2: bro.
8: I I brought the kids, man. Come on. Now we know, right? Breaking Bad, best TV show ever written. Thanks to the ending of Game of Thrones, we're still number one. They almost had it, right? Wasn't that good? We're like, yeah, boo. And then they came to end and we went, ooh. We texted each other going, we're still number one.
0: Stephen Michael Quezada from his new album, The New Mexican. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My next guest on this year's stand-up comedy spectacular doesn't need much introduction. It's Tig Nataro. Tig is a Grammy and Emmy-nominated comedian. She starred in the great comedy show One Mississippi, which was based in part on her own life. This year, she did something a little bit different. She put out a stand-up special on HBO that was fully animated. Then she released that special as an album. Now, what what does it mean to release an animated album? I'm not entirely sure. You'll have to ask MC Scat Cat. Uh, but what matters here, of course, is that it was Dignitaro, so it was hilarious.
9: Do you guys know the comedian Jenny Slate? Yeah. I am just curious. Uh, I've known Jenny for years. She's not like my best friend. (laughs) But we had each other's numbers and she texted me and said, hey, I'm moving to LA. Do you want to have tea? And I said, I'm not feeling very well. I've been in bed. I should probably be better in a couple of days. Let's get in touch then. Jenny said, feel better. She texted me in a couple of days. How you feeling, Tig? Want to have tea? (laughs) Jenny, turns out I have pneumonia now. (laughs) I can't have tea, but uh, when I'm feeling better... Absolutely, we'll grab tea. Jenny texts me, how you feeling? <laughs> oh my gosh, Jenny, I'm in the hospital. Um, I have developed a disease that's eating my digestive tract. Can't have tea. And she was like, oh my God. And she said, I'm going to Boston to get married this weekend. Um <laughs> I will check back in with you when I'm back. And I'm like, okay, well, congrats. I mean, I wasn't even invited to her wedding, you know? But like, she's moving to LA, she wants to grab coffee, sure. She gets back to town and she's like, hey, just seeing how you're doing. Jenny, I am now out of the hospital, but my mother has had a terrible accident and I have to go take her off life support. She's like, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry for the inconvenience. But, like, poor Jenny Slate. I mean, okay, I'm sure there were, like, 20 people that she was like, hey, I'm moving to town, let's get tea. She got caught up in my swirling hell and had to keep checking in with me and now every time I'm like oh my god what am I going to tell Jenny? Jenny I'm, I'm feeling a lot better you know I'm going to come through this we will have our tea but I just got to pull myself together a bit. <laughs> she checks in again and I was like oh my god <laughs> Jenny, I have cancer. (laughs) And she was just like, what is going on? Like every time she contacted me, I was like, it got worse and worse and worse and worse.
0: Tig Notaro from her album, Drawn. Tig also hosts an interview podcast called Don't Ask Tig, where she just interviewed another one of my faves, James Adomian. Go take a listen to uh, Tig in any form you can. Oh, Tig's one of the greats. What a lady. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Our next comic on our end of year stand up comedy spectacular is Courtney Gilmore. Courtney is from Ontario, Canada. She has appeared on the CBC show Human Resources and made the finals for the most recent season of Canada's Got Talent. Her debut stand-up album is called Let Me Hold Your Baby. Courtney also has a congenital disability. She was born with no forearms and just one leg, which I mentioned because, as you're about to hear, it often makes its way into her act. Let's listen.
10: Thank you so much for coming. This is my album taping. This is exciting. I'm just so excited that you're here. We're recording an album. My head's popping off. Thank you so much for being here. This is so great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Decided to do an album, a lot of people reached out and they gave me some hot tips and some pointers, and the number one was like, okay, so you're putting out an album for audio, so like try to be mindful, try not to do too much visual stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So and so I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) With that said, (laughs) With that said, we have decided the name of the album, okay? And I'm gonna tell it to you here, okay? The name of the album, though, is called Let Me Hold Your Baby. Now- <laughs> Because you can see me, I'm right in front of you, and that's funny. There are people listening to this in the ether, in the future, and they're like, "Yeah, why wouldn't you let her hold the baby? Like, what? I mean, what do you mean? What's the problem? Are we taking a woman's right away to hold the baby now? Is that what we're doing?" <laughs> No, no, no. As most of you can tell, just by the sound of my voice, I don't have hands. Um, It's true. I don't know. I don't have hands. It's fine. It's fine. Is it fine? Is it cringe? I don't know. It's fine. I don't have hands. I mean, here's the thing. I do... I do want to hold your baby. I do. I can't... I can't... I can do it. I can do it. Like, let me do it, you know. It's funny that the people who are worried about me not having hands and holding their baby are the same people who routinely drop their phones in toilets. (laughs) And I'm just saying, me, personally, I have never even cracked my screen, but good luck putting your baby on rice. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I, uh, I tell people, you know, there's nothing to feel bad about. I'm just like you. We have more in common than you think. You know, me and army amputee, uh, I live in my own apartment. I have my own cat. I have 47 bananas in my freezer right now. Right? That I'm never going to make banana bread with. We're post-pandemic. If you haven't made the banana bread, it's not happening. Admit defeat. I like it. I'll hold your baby, but I don't want to talk to your kid. Is that bad? I don't, I don't want it to, kids make me uncomfortable. I have to just admit this to myself. I don't, they make me uncomfortable. I never know what to say to them. Kids always know what to say to you though. That's true. They got lots to say, lots of questions. I have a lot of children in my family and uh, you know, they're cute, but family gatherings, they're meeting me for the first time, right? So their first words to me usually once they start talking, where are your hands, Aunt Courtney? Perfectly normal question. I get it. They want to know. Where are your hands? The thing is though, I freeze, and I never know the right answer and how to explain it to a child. So every time they ask, I'm just like, "Uh, they're in my purse, sweetie. (laughs) (laughs) Can you help me find them? And then I give her my purse. She starts rummaging through it. I'm like, this is a messed up tradition we've started here. But kind of cute, though, you know? Every Christmas, I give her the purse. I'm like, this is the year. This is your year. We're going to find the hands. (laughs) It was cute when she was a baby you know it was cute when she was a toddler. She's 12 now, you know It's like <laughs> I think I'm giving her massive anxiety that she still hasn't found. I'm afraid I'm going to come home for Thanksgiving one of these years. There's going to be a pair of bloody dismembered hands on the table. She'd be like, "I found them. This is over. like what?
0: Courtney Gilmore from her debut stand-up album, "Let Me Hold Your Baby." it's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Next on the special, Crystal Adams. Crystal is a stand-up comic and writer. She lives here in Los Angeles, where we make our show. She's worked on shows for Amazon and Netflix and been named Comedian of the Week on Maximum Fun's very own The Jackie and Lori Show, which, by the way, is a great place to learn about stand-up comedy and how it works and where it comes from and who is funny out there on the road right now. Anyway, Crystal Adams, her debut stand-up album came out this year. It's called Ain't I a Wombat. Let's listen.
7: One thing about me, and um, this is a very controversial statement in comedy. It's actually true of a lot of comedians. They, won't, they will not tell you. But I'm going to tell you guys because I'm chill, okay? <laughs> uh, the thing I'm going to tell you is that I grew up with some money. <laughs> Can you handle it? <laughs> yeah I had a lot of really great Christmases, <laughs> mostly cause I got everything I wanted. Uh, it's pretty tight. It's pretty tight. I did love it. Uh the money's gone now, okay. <laughs> Just you can like me again <laughs> <laughs> i did I did grow up with money, but the weird thing is, is that I used to wish that I was poor. I know, like a sicko. (laughs) I did. I used to wish that I was poor because Disney tricked me into thinking it was fun. (laughs) I saw Aladdin. (laughs) He had a whole monkey. I'm like, is this poverty? Sign me up. (laughs) But the real reason I wanted to be poor is because I wanted to be famous. Hear me out. (laughs) I don't know if you remember, but in the 80s, Every famous black person grew up poor, okay? That was their story. Like, it was almost like, I I thought it was a formula. I thought the only way to be a famous black person was that you had to be poor as a kid, right? It was like poverty plus time equals Oprah. And (laughs) I was like, well, I guess I have to be poor to be famous. I didn't know what our finances were. I was 10. (laughs) I had to get to the bottom of it. I asked my mom. I was hopeful, too. I asked my mom. I was like, Mom... Are we poor? And at the time we were in our jacuzzi. Uh, I'm gonna be honest, I could not hear her over the bubbles. Um, we were wearing our pearls. You know, it was too it was too luxurious of a time to ask. <laughs> Should have waited till high tea. Uh-oh.
0: Crystal Adams from her debut album Ain't I a Wombat? You can find Crystal on Twitter at the Dark Crystal. Crystal spelled with a cat. We've got more of this year's end of the year stand-up comedy spectacular to come. Stay with us.
3: Al here with breaking news on a revolutionary form
7: of entertainment, professional wrestling. For more, we go to our correspondent, Danielle Ranford. Professional wrestling is the craze that's sweeping the nation, featuring visticuffs and colorful costumes.
8: But who can help us make sense of this world of body slams? Lindsay Kelk has the answer.
6: Sources tell us of an amazing podcast called Tights and Fights, filled with discussions of the absurdity of professional wrestling, plus all the sincerity and hilarity that you could shake a stick at. Listen to the Tights and Fights podcast every week. Find it on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. And your
3: old-timey radio.
0: Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. If you're just joining us, we are changing things up a bit. Normally, we, uh, normally we spend this time interviewing artists instead We are playing some of the year's best stand-up comedy. And next up is Katrina Davis. Katrina recorded her comedy hour, Figuring It Out, at the Tribeca Film Festival, which was pretty bold for a comic recording their first record. Katrina lives here in Los Angeles, where she has hosted the very funny Valley Girl Comedy Night, but she originally hails from Florida. And as you're about to hear, she does not want to hear a word about that state, from the haters. Let's listen to a little bit of Katrina Davis's debut album, Figuring It Out.
5: Thank you all so much for being here. This is so fantastic. I'm so excited. Uh, I am in an especially good mood today Uh, because I just got the AC in my car fixed. I did not have air conditioning in my car for five years. I don't know if anyone has not experienced cool air for that period of time, but when you get it back, that's luxurious. Like, I just have a whole new appreciation for things. Um, I do get happy over small things. I did once get happy because I saw someone getting a pizza delivered to them. Uh, like I was at the stop sign and I saw the delivery guy going up the stairs to the house and I just said out loud to myself, oh, yeah, they can't even see it coming. Like you never <laughs> you never get to be a part of raw joy like that. It was like a fifth of a wedding. It felt so good. Um, I'm from Florida. Shut up. Here's my thing with Florida being like such a hack premise for jokes. Where do y'all think all those shysty <laughs> came from? <laughs> Felons don't fall from the sky. Like, some of those people didn't have a full set of teeth when they got to us. And I just feel like we're taking a lot of blame that isn't ours. Uh, Like, every fun uncle from the 70s that owed someone too much money left their 90-degree angled state to come to our poor peninsula, and now I'm getting all the heat. Like, it's not... Florida is to America what Australia is to Great Britain. Like, if you... These are your monsters. Like, if you... If you don't like what you see when you look at Florida, don't look in the mirror. I'm so sorry. But I do feel like uh, we have more reasons to be that fun. Like, we have water that doesn't freeze on three sides. You try keeping a clean record with that much bikini season. Like, it's just not going to happen. I just feel like Wisconsin would be cooler if the Great Lakes weren't so uptight. Um... (laughs) Plus, it's really hot, which, like, I know that we all know that when temperatures rise, um, people make quicker decisions and violent crimes increase. And I feel like we should have an asterisk on our death toll based on that information alone. Like, it's it's 80 before you open your eyes for, like, four months of the year. And, like, New York will have a heat wave and murder rates go up and everyone's like, ah, the hustle and bustle of the city. Like, I feel like... (laughs) I do realize ways that I am desensitized, like, to my Floridaness in the Florida man stories that come up, um, cause I saw one one day that said, man walks into Florida liquor store with an alligator, and my first thought was, whatever, it was probably a baby gator, and laughter I know that that is not a normal reaction, but also I was right, um, laughter Like, you can't leave it in the car. Like, he had... It wasn't a... It was like a teen. I'll give you that. It was like a teen gator. And he walked in. But it also had tape around its mouth. And y'all don't know that, but those alligators are for petting. Um, If an alligator has tape on its mouth, you can totally pet it. Uh, They will bring it to your elementary school to let you learn about it. Um, But I do think that our desensitization to um, life-threatening things may have also had a hand in how we dealt with COVID as a state. Um, I think, and I'm only saying that because of how my family and friends handled the first hurricane that they had when I moved to L.A. I was, like, very concerned for everyone because I wasn't home, so I was, like, sending out mass, like, text messages and calls. And I text my dad because he was home by himself. and I was like, hey, dad, the hurricane is supposed to hit in a couple days. Do you have everything ready to go? And he goes, yup, got everything packed up. Birth certificates, hats, bowling balls. Hats was second. Like, that (laughs) kid be what we're doing. (laughs) And then I call my best friend and she has a daughter and she lives where I used to live when I lived in Jacksonville, which floods super fast. And so I was like, do you have like sandbags or anything in case everything floods? And she just texts me back, nah, dog, that hurricane can catch these hands. (laughs) So, um, I'm not surprised at how we've handled this at all. (laughs) But I don't think that it was just particular states or people behaving in certain ways. Uh, We're all gross, I feel like. (laughs) The one thing that I hope stays from the pandemic is people being like 10% less nasty. Um, (laughs) Because right before everything shut down, I was in a coffee shop and I was sitting there, like writing or whatever, and a guy came by and he was sweeping the floor And then he just picked up the broom and started bussing all of the tables with the broom from the ground. Yes, exactly. Thank you. The most disgusting thing I've ever seen someone do in my whole life. Lost my mind. Like, you know when you see something so insane that you want to make sure other people see it so it's not a mirage? I started looking around. I was like, does anybody else see what this dude is... Anyone who has ever worked in a restaurant knows that broom has no origin. No one knows where that broom ever came from. It came with the building. No one's ever bought a new broom for a restaurant. It's literally the sisterhood of the traveling E. coli and you're just dragging it across a table where people put their babies and food and everything. Like that store could have been a front for laundering money and they could have tortured snitches in the back and chopped off their fingers. They would have swept up those fingers with that same broom. Like, what are you doing? So I went up to the cashier before I left and I was like, hi, I don't want to embarrass him but could you please tell that young man to never bust a table with a broom again? And she went, oh my God. I have to tell him not to do that all the time. All the time, all the time. All the time is more than three times. That's horrifying. So I haven't connected all the dots, but I want him arrested. I feel like he's a part of this somehow.
0: Katrina Davis from her debut stand-up album, figuring it out. You can also catch Katrina on her podcast, Pod Vaunt It's an art history show that looks into the lives of some of the weirdest and most fascinating artists in painting, sculpture, and mixed media. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. You're listening to our 2022 end-of-year stand-up comedy spectacular. Next up is Josh Gondelman. He's a killer stand-up, also a writer. He wrote for Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. He won a Peabody and an Emmy for his work on that show. He was senior staff writer and producer for Showtime's Desis and Marrow. He's also written two books, the latest of which, Nice Try, Stories of Best Intentions and Mixed Results, came out in 2019. Very funny book. Josh, in fact, is one of the funniest and sweetest dudes around. Uh, He has several stand-up albums under his belt. Here's a bit from his latest, People Pleaser.
11: I kind of just got to see family for the first time in almost a year and a half. After I was vaccinated, I went to go home, visit my parents, see some other relatives and friends. I got to have lunch with my 97-year-old great aunt, which is amazing. Yeah. Chances are you might have met her. She's been around a while, so... (laughs) I assume that's what the applause was. (laughs) He's wonderful. And if you have the chance to hang out with somebody that has that kind of life experience, you've got to jump on that. I mean, not literally, you'll crush your bones to dust, but <laughs> you've got to seize that opportunity because there's so much family history and life experience in a person like that. And with a healthy 97 year old, they're gonna have a confidence that's like aspirational and you're not gonna see it anywhere else on earth. My great aunt walks around all day, like she just won an Oscar on top of Mount Everest. That's just her all day long, just unbeatable swagger, oxygen tank. That's her whole deal. The hubris comes out in different ways. We were out at lunch We finish the meal, the waiter comes over. He says, can I interest you in dessert? I have one dessert special to offer. It's a slice of pumpkin pie. And my great aunt looks him right in the eyes. Grown man. And says, we'll have some grapes for the table. And the waiter says, grapes? And she goes, for the table. The waiter walks out of the room, presumably to quit is what I thought was happening. She's like, oh boy. Better go back to law school like my dad keeps saying. (laughs) Comes back two minutes later with three giant bowls of grapes for the table. There weren't even grapes on the menu at this restaurant, such is the power of 97-year-old self-esteem. My great-aunt just thought about grapes, said the word grapes, manifested grapes into her life. And why wouldn't she behave like that? Why wouldn't she? When you're 97, you don't have a lot of time to go a bunch of different places. Asking for the stuff they advertise. When you're ninety-seven you go where people bring you, you tell the nice folks they're what you want in your life, and you make it their problem for a while. Just like, oh, dessert? Yeah, I'd like some grapes for the table also. Stamps, hard candy, batteries, and my cholesterol medication. I'm 97 and you're my concierge to the universe right now, so make it quick, because I have Jeopardy set to DVR, but I don't know what that means, so I have to watch it live. As I mentioned, I've been with my wife for seven years, married for four, it's the best. I love it so much, I love her so much. That's the important part, right? Yeah, that's the important part. Just growing together over the years is so wonderful. I think people give marriage a bad name, sometimes they they talk trash about it, but even the little things, like after seven years with the same person, I now have all these incredibly strong opinions about topics I know nothing about. Because my wife has thoughts and she shares them with me because communication is the bedrock of a strong relationship and i love and trust her so now her opinions are also my opinions and what a joy to know something without ever having to learn it here's an example have i ever listened to an entire album by recording artist fiona apple sadly no i've never had the pleasure but do i Do I deep in my heart believe that Fiona Apple is a genius? Yeah, absolutely, that's something I think, no doubt about it at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, why wouldn't I? Here's how far I'll take it. If you don't think Fiona Apple is a genius, I think you're sexist. That's something I believe in my heart. I can't prove that in any way. That's just a trust fall into my wife's brain. It's so great being together a long time with the same person. Seven years, our friends, have started to become friends with one another. Our families are merging into this one loving family. And I now have all these enemies I'm still meeting for the first time. Because my wife has people she doesn't care for. They don't disappear just because we got together. Now everywhere I go in the world, I just meet new people to hate, like it's the legend of Zelda. Showing up at unfamiliar buildings, fighting with people I've never seen before (laughs) over reasons I'm learning in the moment. I'll be at a work function with my wife, I'll be like, oh, that couple over there, they seem so sweet. I was talking to them, they seem great. We should have brunch sometime. My wife's like, nah uh In 2007, she told me my haircut was fascinating. And I say, well, I hope her car flips over on the way home. And she says, I love you too, because that's part of what love is, right? Her enemies are my enemies. I mean that sincerely. That was in my wedding vows. I'm not remotely joking about that part. Because I feel like if you're gonna make a vow, make it a vow, right? <laughs> Revenge, that's a vow. You can enforce it with a sword. Richer, poorer, sickness, health, that's nice, but I'll extend those courtesies to my landlord if we're being honest.
0: Josh Gondelman from his stand up album, people pleaser. When he's not buying, let's say, all-purpose flour on the dark web, he's a must-follow on Twitter, at Josh Gondelman. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. We're almost to the end of this year's stand-up comedy special. One more comic before we go. The great Maeve Higgins. Maeve is a star in Ireland, where she's a newspaper columnist and she hosted a television show called Maeve Higgins' Fancy Vittles. That's 100% for real. Uh, She's also performed all over the world, uh, including at the Edinburgh Fringe, where she is a fixture. Uh, But she's now a resident of the United States. If you listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, you've probably heard her as a panelist on that show. Uh, We are big fans of all of her work and of her personally here at Bullseye. She was great in a really charming comedy horror film called Extraordinary that our producer Jesus is a total fanboy of. Uh, I'm right there with him. It's a great, great movie. Really delightful. Has Will Forte as a kind of like evil prog rock guy. Uh, It's a joy. Anyway, I'm getting off track. Here's a bit from Maeve Higgins' latest stand-up album, A Very Special Woman. It's her first album in over a decade, and it was well worth the wait.
6: I just started seeing somebody, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of strange to talk about, you know, because it's like, it sounds a little bit delusional, you know, I just started seeing someone, yeah, I did, yeah, he's over there, he's by the window, do you see that man in the rocking chair, why is he crying, I just started seeing him. Maybe he's the one.
1: The one. Beelzebub.
6: <laughs> the one to rule them all, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I already have my dream proposal. Yeah, so listen up. Um, okay. My dream proposal would happen actually on my deathbed, so it's quite sad, but yeah i know i just think it would be so romantic i mean it would be an empty gesture really but a very romantic one and and i think as well it's you know it's important it would give me something to focus on other than my own demise you know and that's so that's so important isn't it busy brain happy girl busy brain happy girl that's one of our sayings And it would give me things to do. You know, I could drag myself to dress fittings, and even if I had like terrible wasting disease, that would actually be, for a bride, that's actually good. (laughs) You know, the dressmaker would be like, well done. Absolutely fantastic weight loss this week. Every one of your bones is jutting out of your skin. You're gorgeous. I would go to florist. You know, somebody would obviously bring me there in a wicker wheelchair. And um, I would just point, you know, them and incarnations. Um, and I would make sure to die before the wedding day. I'm a frugal girl. And honey, believe me, that's what guys like. Ooh. Mm. If if you're frugal, they can't get enough of you. And also that would save a lot of money, right? Because I would combine the wedding and the funeral. So I think I would have a Catholic funeral um, just because I put in the time as a child and... um, And the priest, you know, he would have to focus on how great I was. That's customary. And he'll also, like, I think this is going to be very moving for people. He might even do an impression, not an impression in a cruel way, but like he might tell them what I said to him, which was, I just want to be a bride. (laughs) So I'll have flower girls and I think they'll wear like black puffball dresses and they will make sad faces as they scatter. They'll scatter lily petals, obviously, um, up the aisle. And my little stiff hands—they'll be quite stiff, of course. But uh, but they will have French manicure. Beautiful. <laughs> Isn't that so elegant? Um, and you know. That's the thing, because I like having my nails done, but I don't really like getting manicures. It's something that I can't really get used to. It's a very service, industry-heavy kind of a feeling when I go in there, because it's like, yes, I live in America. I exploit people all the time. But I'm just not used to like holding hands with them while I'm exploiting them. So it's hard for me. Um, I will be buried in a wedding dress. My hair will be in a, I want to say, chignon. Um, and the mortician will have set my face into like a really blissed out smile. I'll be eyes open. Um, and I'll definitely have a veil. Um, that will be the one that my tearful fiance just like lowers over my face before they clamp the lid on the coffin. <laughs> And I think the coffin will obviously be,